0: Welcome to Notes from the Field, presented by Canon Press and Noeo Science. Well, Gordon, good to see you. Good to see you, Will. I've uh, uh, Usually, you're the one that gives the prompt. Yeah. But as far as what's the topic of our uh, episode, but... You know, teaching biology all the time, uh some of the things that that sort of blow my mind uh, in biology, and it sort of basically covers so many different groups of animals, right? and that is uh, and there are so many fascinating variations on this theme, and the theme is, or the structure is, the tongue the tongue whatever i'm teaching whatever critter i'm teaching about talking about how the tongue works is just one of the most fascinating subjects to me and so, so just that was of, the prompt for today i like it so th- just kind of an amazing mechanism oh yeah and you see a variety and of all different kinds of tongues and all of the different ways that they're used for yeah so that's what we're going to talk about today is i love it tongues and you know,
1: we've all, we all have
0: tongues. We That's all, true. most of
1: us can taste. Some of us out there maybe can't taste a few right. folks
0: out there. Yeah. But Especially sh- if they have COVID. Oh man.
1: <laughs> my, and it's funny that you say that because my sense of taste has come back, okay. but my sense of smell is still greatly impaired. Okay. and has been impaired huh. for almost three months. Wow. Right. And we know that taste and smell do have a lot going on yeah. as far as working together Yeah, uh, for that sense. So most folks have experienced. Uh, having a cat lick their hand or maybe even having a cow lick their hand. And so that gives you at least
0: a a starting place for knowing that not all tongues are the same. That's right. I mean, you've got your own and, um, you know, a good place to start is your own tongue. It's sort of a, you know, basic tongue. I mean, it's super complex, (laughs) but what are, what are all the things? Yeah. What, what are all the things that our tongue can do? I mean, obviously. Taste. Taste. And you were referring to all those little sharp projections, projections. projections on a cat's tongue. On a tub. cat's tongue. It's like sandpaper. Yeah. Um, lick your hand. And if you look up close, they're almost like little tiny spikes, somewhat flexible spikes. And that's what makes it so rough. But we've got those bumps and they're called papillae. Yeah. A lot of people think those bumps all over our tongue are uh, taste buds. But actually, the taste buds are much... Uh, much more of a microscopic affair they're they're embedded in the tissue down around the the base of these little domes okay if you zoom in on one of those bumps it looks like this dome and uh the taste buds are down in the cracks and crannies between the bumps on the sides of the bumps and uh you know it's just amazing we just sort of take it for granted but So this is Uh, a complicated, multifaceted organ. Super, even with the basic tongue, our tongue, you know, it's super complex. Uh, What's going on? You've got uh, molecules of taste with, you know, biologists call them tastants and they can be all sorts of things. And they, they get down into the saliva, dissolve in the saliva and then bind to the um, little dendrites that are called hairs or gustatory hairs on the surface of the Taste buds. And that, those, when those mole- molecules bind, it, it causes an, an impulse down this neuron and passes it down to other neurons, which take it back to the brain. So it's all sort of hardwired or softwired, whatever you like. Yeah. Back to the, from tongue to brain, so that the impulses, a certain pattern of impulses goes back to the, uh, the parietal lobe of the brain. Okay, and that's where you perceive taste, whether it's lemon or orange or pizza or you know all of the different tastes. It's just a, a amazing combination of those uh, different, different taste. All those different chemicals. All those different chemicals that, and they say there's five different basic tastes, but we, we won't go into that. Well, so but it's just amazing. And you think, well, only five. Well, it's kind of like colors. You've got basic primary colors, but the mixes of the colors can make a whole, almost an infinite number of colors by mixing different proportions of those right. primary colors. And it's sort of the same with these five basic tastes. Yeah. The pattern that hits your brain is going to give it a whatever taste that is. Right. Hence, hence the word palate.
1: Yeah. So, kind of like your pin number, you know, we have gazillions of pin numbers, of but only four digits in ten right four yeah. spots and ten uh, or nine, yeah, nine different uh
0: possibilities or ten, I guess, including yeah. zero. So, yeah, taste is an amazing thing, but uh, thinking about the human tongue, if I didn't have one, not only could I not taste, but I couldn't talk, it manipulates incredibly. Sound incredibly yeah, it's fine-tuned and sophisticated. We're making a lot of noises with our larynx, but we, we couldn't uh, manipulate the sounds in our mouth without our tongue. So it manipulates sounds, it manipulates food as we're chewing. It's very coordinated at handing handing uh, a piece of food back and forth between the molars. and And eventually once it's chewed up, the tongue just sort of automatically, without thinking, just sort of shoves it back uh, into the pharynx. It lubricates the food, tastes the food, manipulates sound, manipulates food. It's just and a, you did, amazing.
1: You, you know, you've painted a really wonderful picture for the homeschooling parent to mm-hmm. have a lesson on the tongue. Oh, yeah. You just, can have, the, have your uh, son or daughter eat something and then think about what's actually happening with their tongue while they're eating. And right. or and or don't think
0: too hard, and you might bite it.
1: <laughs> that's when I. That's what I'm not thinking is when I bite mine. Oh, that hurts. Mm. Um, or true. and or just recite a couple lines and think about what your tongue is doing to make each of those specific sounds. Right. Yeah. So we have a well
0: yeah. well trained tongue. So the, even the basic tongue, and you could say ours is sort of structurally basic, but it still can do a whole, you know, whole list of things. Yeah we sort of take for granted because when you don't think about it, it's very easy to take any part of your body for granted. But when you look at the details of anatomy and physiology, we haven't even talked about the muscles in the tongue. Just amazing. But that's that's sort of a, a quick overview of our tongue. You know, do you have a...
1: One tongue, I've been long fascinated by the tongue of the woodpecker. Oh, man. Um, And I know it's kind of jumping to the big one right away. Oh, no, that's okay. I'm
0: going to one-up you.
1: I I figured you would. (laughs) (laughs) Usually birds (laughs) win out. Okay, good. Don't spoil it. I'm looking forward to this. I like being one-upped. So the woodpecker tongue, um, which we don't usually see. I mean, they have so many amazing... Uh, design features built into their head region in general. Right. The ability to chisel away at a tree. Some people say that's a thousand G's of, of force where we would be brain dead after just one hammer mm-hmm. or two. And then this tongue that inserts into these holes, but you typically don't get to see it. Right. And so this tongue, it's so long in some woodpeckers uh, that it has to have a couple of supportive mechanisms. We'll all. All tongues have supportive mechanisms, which we'll talk about. But this one's so long that it actually extends backwards Mm -hmm. and up and around the back of the cranium. Right. In this this groove around the top of the skull and down, even up into the right nostril sometimes. Right. Goodness. Goodness gracious.
0: Like, how do you, well, just from an, it's amazing the evolutionists have just so stories even for that. But
1: when, if you think about the tongue, is there any muscle? That's supported in an even close, similar way. It's not directly attached to any bone. It's well, kind yeah, of cartilaginous, cartilaginous bone like structure, the hyoid. Yeah, the hyoid. Yeah. Right. So it has this supportive framework that's kind of like a two prong. Mm. Trying to think of an analogy to visualize. Well, it's really, that really highoid. hard
0: with a woodpecker. You know, it's kind of used as a flexible harpoon is it after it mm. drills through the bark. And, um, but then in order to have such a long tongue, the reason it sort of goes around the back of the skull is so that you can have some slack uh, down when, you pull, when the woodpecker pulls its tongue in, slack is generated down at the base of the skull, sort of where it bifurcates into two branches yeah. around the skull, as yep. you were talking about. It, it produces slack, but then when you have a protractor muscle that Pushes the tongue out of the bill, that slack is pulled pulled tight, and it just—it's really hard to describe. Yeah, when you don't have diagrams,
1: I'm envisioning something somewhat akin to a the pull cord in a lawnmower, maybe wrapping around one time, and we know that mm-hmm. we know how that we know that feeling of
0: slack generation, right. and then it tenses back up again. Right, you know how? Yeah, sometimes when you pull the cord, and as it's Getting pulled back in, it's not pulling back in fast enough. Yeah. So you see a bit of slack on the pull cord. And that's sort of what happens to the tongue because it can't just keep wrapping around the skull multiple times. It's just one time and it's got some slack and then it tightens up that slack to push it out. And then it harpoons insects underneath the bark with this tip and it's got barbs on it and everything. It's just. And to think about it, just mechanically, oh man, is incredible. But then to think that it has to develop as the woodpecker grows from a baby, all of this stuff needs to come into place, and it has to grow with the woodpecker. And you know, I don't know how the, you know, I don't know the embryology of it, but it's just all of this stuff needs to develop in place and keep growing. And that is work. That is remarkable. It is just, it's it's wonderful.
1: So a lot of birds have this kind of paired small bones kind of underneath the, or the back of the tongue. Is that something that's unique to birds? Do we see that in- The hyoids, you uh, mean? The, well, or the, the
0: paraglossals. Oh, the paraglossals. Yeah, we... That bone pops up in other things. Okay. Um, and I, I'm certainly not going to go into the mechanics, I mean, just in broad brush. Oh, yeah. The mechanics of all of these different lizard tongues that's where i'd say um the chameleon i think tops i would say both are just incredibly complex but the chameleon is just sort of over the top let's hear about it um i can envision the chameleon we snatching. The chameleon. It? <laughs> we
1: can work up we can make we right
0: all oh, right sorry getting,
1: getting ahead of ourselves here yeah so just the diversity of bird tongues alone oh yeah we have this massive uh wrap around tongue from the woodpecker uh, well, another tongue that I've seen images of before and, and thought a little bit about is this tongue um that certain types of waterfowl or flamingos or some of these filter feeding birds mm-hmm. um have and they have these really kind of string-like looking papillae that mm-hmm. filter. Right. Actually filter food either coming in or leaving. Right. Almost like the baleen in a you whale. Know, yeah.
0: So yeah, they have mouth structure. That that's amazing. The the hummingbird tongue. I saw a movie, it was an intelligent design movie a bit ago, and it showed some computer animation of the hummingbird tongue. And that's just incredible because as it is projected, it it can it can split and sort of like a zipper. Hmm. And you know, it's it's been a while since I've looked at it, but it splits and allows more nectar to be gathered onto the two forks of the tongue, just- Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. And all of these are just different structures, which means that when an evolutionist who believes in common descent has to say, how in the, do we have this sort of basic tongue that all these different tongues evolve from? Often they're so different in their mechanism and structure that they'll, this is the catch-all phrase, they'll say the tongue- this tongue evolved independently because you it's really hard for them to say okay these tongues are related maybe they would say it at the very basic level they're homologous but right they would they would be so different in their mechanism that they just have to say this tongue evolved independently but and just f- that whole thing of evolve when it when you look if you even spend the time to try to wrap your brain around how it, a particular tongue works, you realize how uh, mechanically sophisticated it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's a recent uh, journal article in the Proceedings for the National Academy of Sciences looking at uh, kind of taking some real um zoomed in looks at cat tongues mm-hmm. and they and they call them a smart comb. And so uh they're they're looking for potential uses oh, yeah. uh, for abrasives uh, abrasive materials or ways to, um, ways to, uh, kind of make mimic it for super, super velcro type of, of material mm-hmm. uh, manufacturing. And, and this, that's an engineer looking at nature for inspiration right. and, and also for how in the world could we even come up with this. Right. Um, but take that to the, to the level that you're talking about here.
0: Well, I don't, I think the engineers would have a real rough time with the chameleon time. I'll, I'll launch right into the, Chameleon tongue. yeah, let's hear it. I mean, even without diagrams, I'll do my best, but this whole tongue apparatus, and that's what you have to call it because there's so many different parts, we know the chameleon can really extend its tongue way out to the length of its body over the length of its body, not not necessarily the tail, but a really long stretch. And this tongue is kind of bunched up like a a loose sock over. Over a rod, okay. That's a great it's image. It's a loose sock over a rod. Now it's not an, obviously not a sock. It's wet. and It's covered with mucus, and it's got a nice fleshy tip. And that fleshy tip, like a boxing glove, will uh, hit hit the insect as it shoots out. But how does it shoot out? There's these circular. We've talked about the circular muscles with the earthworm. Mm-hmm. Circular muscles when they contract make things long and skinny and this uh, muscle that's wrapped around the rod and the rod is pretty much a parallel sided rod except at the tip it's tapered and it's inside the tongue and when the circular muscles contract it tightens up on the rod and builds up a lot of pressure and it gets longer and skinnier as it's, it's as if the if a sock is contracting on the rod and it's getting longer and skinnier as it's squeezing the rod. Hmm. And it as it gets longer and skinnier, it finally gets to the tapered end. And that's where it's slippery. And literally, the pressure builds up such that when it hits that end, it squeezes itself off at with a violent acceleration. Just that circular muscle just squeezes itself off. It's almost like you're pinching a very slick tapered rod, and because you're squeezing so hard, it pops your fingers off. Yeah, uh, as you squeeze it, that's what that accelerator muscle. And when it pops off, it just shoots out at almost what five point eight meters per second. Wow, that's how fast it goes. Uh, the acceleration is way faster. Oh yeah.
1: Well, watching those creatures eat is such a marvel. So, to, so here a little bit of the engineering that's required. It's funny, you know, your analogy. of oh, uh,
0: four hundred and eighty-six uh, meters per second per second. That's the ex- the acceleration. Wow. Um, but it its velocity is is almost almost six meters per second. But that's the acceler- acceleration. So it's uh pretty fast, and it. And then as it shoots off, it's all bunched up like a baggy sock over the rod. But then when it shoots out, that that sticky pad at the end, uh, that acceleration launches off that rod. And then it pulls the sock, stretches it out. And that's where the tongue goes flying out of the mouth and hits the insect. And because it's sort of a baggy boxing glove, it wraps around the insect. Kind of just engulfs the insect, but and it's covered with sticky saliva and right and and mucus to help the insect adhere. But sometimes they're hitting big insects, okay, and sometimes even small lizards. So it's not just enough to just stick to have a little bit of stickum. Yeah, um, there's a mu- another muscle that retracts the this this fleshy tip and pulls the, the tip of the tongue inward to form a cup goodness to form a cup so that it's not just um sticky it actually sort of engulfs partially engulfs the prey and then other launch once it hits the prey and sort of engulfs it then other longitudinal muscles contract and haul the whole thing back in now Again, that's just the basics. There's a lot more nuances to that tongue. And it's just um an incredible bit of biological engineering. Oh wow. Um that's quite an apparatus. Yeah. And I, I'd have to say that the the, the woodpecker tongue is ranks up there, but I would say the chameleon tongue is and that's what fascinates a lot of people about oh, chameleons. Yeah. Yeah. They're just incredible.
1: That's fabulous. I was as you were talking about the acceleration of the of the tongue forward, I was thinking about, um, just talking about intelligent design and, and engineering and, and this, this, uh, how an evolutionist would try to have a similar conversation as to we're having now, you know, they'd be talking about an, an engineer who's building some type of, of, of structure to solve some problem. And we'd be using engineering language. We'd be using design language. Mm-hmm. Because that's a big part of engineering. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, of course, evolutionists fall into using design language all the time. Oh, they do. Because they can't help it because we, we need to attribute it to design because nothing else makes sense. Yeah.
0: They just say that natural selection mutation did it. But what's frustrating is that the the um, evolutionists are often the ones that are – they're very smart at actually looking at all the wording, working parts. They're the ones that often discover the mechanisms. Usually they do discover the mechanism. So they're smart at figuring out the anatomy and how it all works and describing it in great detail. And our heads are aching because we go, that's just, how did you? So they are smart in the sense of knowing how it works. But the part that is folly is just assuming without really thinking that this can be caused. By just random uh, mutations. I mean, we know anytime you see a machine at a factory that has all these working parts and it works really precisely, like this printing machine out there, we would never think that that printing machine just is a haphazard assemblage of metal parts. Right. It's just, but yeah, no, we we just uh, defer to them because they're the experts, and they go, they believe that it evolved. Uh, It must have evolved
1: yeah such an incredibly complicated structure mm-hmm. uh, I, I design thinking is is one of the things that I try to instill into my students uh, at the get go and design language too it's because it's that's what it is mm-hmm. <laughs> This has been designed for a purpose and I was gonna another thing I was gonna point out along the same lines not only is this we can tell how well it's been designed because it functions for its purpose so well, but also in just thinking about how each of these different uh, if I'm thinking about birds, the bills, the mouth structure, the tongue, and they're placed in the right habitat. Mm-hmm. They're living in the right habitat, trying to eat the right food that fits with their mouth structure right. and their tongue structure. Yeah. That's just incredibly well integrated from, mm. from top to bottom.
0: Yeah, that's true. You know,
1: one thing we've enjoyed is watching our son's Russian tortoise eat. And so mm-hmm. I haven't seen a lot of reptile tongues, but I've seen chameleon tongues in the pet store on right, a right. Show and, the show. But watching this little Russian tortoise eat and his little muscular tongue kind of pokes kinda out. Kind of pokes out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there, there, a lot of turtle and lizard tongues can be sort of basic where they they just cover it with saliva and then they sort of project it out a little bit. And just kind of the way we eat popcorn. Yeah. You know, you're sitting there watching the show and you have a bowl of popcorn your tongue is wet and sticky and you stick your tongue out and pick up a popcorn with it. And a lot of, a lot of lizards and other, and turtles will use their tongue in a similar way. way. yeah. Another cool one, uh, this is sort of more not as fantastic, but it is just really cool and subtle is the alligator snapping turtle that sits Mm. there in the, the bottom of its, its, layer at the bottom of a pond or river and uh and gapes open with its massive maw its jaws and its tongue is a lure yeah and it it looks like a little pink worm and it wiggle and it just gapes open and wiggles that tongue like a little worm and when a fish swims by and sees that delectable little worm wiggling there it's irresistible and the fish comes up to 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 take the worm just like fishing and then wham there goes the fish so that's a another interesting um, and that's pretty complicated just all the muscles to make and the pinkishness it's literally looks like a worm yeah acts like a worm and it's a tongue to draw in its food so so we have
1: uh We've watched, we've watched reptiles eat. We've watched some birds use their tongues. Another thing tongues can be used for is to drink with. Mm. And I'm always just in awe of watching the cat especially drink. Oh, yeah, with the lapping. Yeah. So cats or dogs kind of gulp. They, they kind of suck it up as they, they use their tongue a little bit. But this ability to lap the water, mm-hmm. that's an incredible design feature built into cat tongues to be able to hold that water. Yeah, enough to, to, cup to bring it and bring
0: it in. Yeah, yeah, that's that's incredible. They sw- and dogs and you know when they pant, they're using their tongue and their whole mouth to sort of release heat. Yep. So thermoregulation, as the scientists call. It.
1: No, that's right. Yeah, are there? I'm trying to think about invertebrates. Oh, yeah. Haven't... We have tongues in all kinds of creatures. Not all animals
0: have tongues. Right. There's the vertebrates. Uh, I think most vertebrates have a have some kind of tongue. And you could say in the invertebrates you have tongue-like structures yeah. like the mollusks. Uh the mollusks have this tongue-like structure called the radula. And it is sort of the way I would describe it is like a cross between a chainsaw <laughs> and a and a belt sander, the tongue or tongue, the radula has sort of a, a bony uh, structure I- inside called the odontophore. And that's, that's what I would say would be like the bar on a chainsaw. And then the radula is like the chain with all of the teeth on it. You know how the chain goes one, one direction and right. it goes round and round and round, where well, the radula can't go round and round like a chainsaw, but it can go back and forth. But, as the radula is moved over the odontophore like the chain on a on a chainsaw on on the bar, it will pull it will pull back uh for the recovery stroke and then when it's wanting to rip tissue, whether it's plant tissue or animal tissue in the snail's mouth, it will pull the radula forward. And as it goes around the bar, like the chainsaw, the teeth cut pieces off. And then as they cut little pieces off with the teeth, it gets conveyor belted back and then down to the throat Wow, and eaten. So even a little snail radula or a slug radula that eats your garden, uh, <laughs> uh, that's what they're using to eat your garden. And it's quite a a complicated affair, and when you look at all the muscles and structures of the radula, it's just bewildering.
1: And there, uh, and some of these, even not
0: s- octopus and squid have the radula too, because they're mollusks. And and these are so hard that don't. they can scrape. You, you can see scrape marks
1: mm. uh, from different mollusks, or from or from chitons, or some mm-hmm. of these marine uh tide pool intertidal zone creatures that just they just scrape the rock bare, scrape the algae off. Right. Uh, they're grazers. With the radula. Yeah, they're grazers, but wow, they have quite a savage tool. But to yeah, work but with you them. can't
0: see it. You really right. have to almost dissect it out to to uh or yeah, dissect a dead one and look at the structure of the radula to see it. And It's not that big. I mean, even when we dissect the squid, you know, the the radula inside the jaws, um is is quite small. Yeah, neat fish,
1: fish tongues. One thing I enjoy. I, I'm just thinking about the creatures we usually dissect in general biology, and I have we have done squids, mm-hmm. but the f- f- I would imagine invertebrates and may be, maybe maybe fish are are different than the other creatures we've talked about. Their tongues definitely seem to be a bit more locked in place. Yeah,
0: locked in place. There's a you know, um, I'm sure I'm not an ichthyologist, so I'm, I'm sure there's probably some interesting things, but I. I don't know much about fish tongues. I'd yeah. have to be to silent fishing. on that. Yeah, and I ama- know the the hook can get on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> amazing, amazing apparatus. Yeah. So we've got taste. We've got the ability to drink, moving food around. Right. Do tearing o- things. Do other creatures use their tongues uh, for vocalization to the extent
0: that boy, I'm I'm sure the tongue on mammals affects yeah. the sound just like it does us. But right. I know ours. We're sort of the quintessential because of language we are able to use our tongue for speech whereas other other mammals it may affect the sound but it's not going to be manipulated in the same level and sophistication yeah but it's uh it's the world of tongues it's uh we've barely scratched the surface i think i may have i'm not sure if a previous episode if i mentioned the pangolin but it wouldn't hurt repeating the pangolin's tongue uh, which is the uh, scaly anteater of india and sri lanka its its tongue is just incredible because it's housed in a, a big deep sheath that goes back uh, past its rib cage almost all the way to its pelvis wow that's and the 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 tongue is in a sheath there now I don't know the mechanism by which it extends its tongue but it can, that's why it can extend its tongue so long out its out of its snout out of its mouth and it's it's coated with mucus so that the tongue is super super sticky and then when it projects its tongue out of its mouth uh, after it rips open an, a termite mound or or an ant an anthill the tongue just goes through the tunnels of of the termite mound, and and anything that gets touched by that tongue sticks to it, so it slithers hither and thither through the <laughs> through the colony, and picks up all sorts of insects, and then it's reeled back in and uh, swallowed. So, uh, if you ever even Google pangolin tongue, you'll see some and image it. Uh, you'll see some illustrations, sort of a a, a cutaway. Shot of a pangolin where it shows how the tongue is housed in the body. Just incredible. Yeah. So I think we've pretty much run out of time, Will, talking about just a few tongues. There's a lot more amazing tongues out there.
1: I'm looking forward to tasting my dinner here
0: pretty soon. Thanks a lot, Gordon. Me too. We'll see you, Will. See you next time. Thank you for listening. And remember, for all your homeschool science needs, go to noeoscience.com. That's N O E O science.com.